So we are doing Canto 10. Today it's uh, beginning of uh, Krishna's uh, story. So it is Canto 10, Chapter 1. It's called the Advent of Lord Krishna Introduction. So this we are going to introduce the topic of Krishna's birth and then proceed slowly towards his life, entire life. And uh, we will get an interesting perspective. Alright? So, Canto 10, Chapter 1, The Advent of Lord Krishna. King Parikshit said, Can you close the door, please? One second, yeah. I said, close the door. Where is she? I told her to I'm sorry about that. King Parikshit said, My dear Lord, you are elaborately described the dynasties of both the moon god and the sun god, with the exalted and the wonderful character of the king. So, uh, we had yesterday defined the entire hierarchy of Krishna's birth. How, where, when, why, and all the characters, like say, for example, even Shishupal and Kamsa and everybody's designate we had already drawn from different different sources. Alright, so now we will proceed slowly further. What happens? Oh, best of Munis, you have also described the descendant of Yadu who were very pious and strictly adherent to religious principles. Now if you will kindly describe the wonderful glorious activities of Lord Vishnu or Krishna who appeared in that Yadu dynasty with Baldev, his plenary expansion. So, we have to now get an idea about how Baldeva. Baldeva means, can you please close the door? No, that's not the sound. The sound is from upstairs. She's not there. She's on the The maid over here is, you know, her panjan is making noise, the doors are making noise, That's the water that she is leaving, that is the whole point. So I was telling her to close the door. The maid is over here. <laughs> unfortunate. Very unfortunate. So, you, oh, best of Munis, you have described the uh, descendants of Yadu who are very pious and strictly adherent to religious principles. Now, if you kindly describe the wonderful, glorious activities of Lord Vishnu or Krishna, who appeared in that Yadu dynasty with Baldeva, his plenary expansion. So he is being asked to kindly describe the entire story of Baldeva. Baldeva is Sankarsana, Sankarsana is Adishesha. Adishesha, you know the snake which is there on which uh, Vishnu sleeps. That is the one. So here Baldeva also stands for Ram, Balram. Now understand this, his name was Balram. Balram. Balram means in a very energetic, very strength, uh, with lot of strength and all. So his name is Ram, actually. And the Bala is in front of his name, which means translates directly into a very powerful Ram, you know, very strong Ram. Alright. So you will find that most of these people from uh, Iskon, when they say Hari Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari, you know, 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Actually, when they are saying these words, they are talking about Balaram. They are not talking about Sri Ram. Sri Ram is a different avatar from a different yuga. So, that avatar is not mentioned over here. Because in that yuga, the Balaram was Lakshman. Okay, Lakshman was the younger brother of his. So, the same Adishesh had taken various forms. Adishesh's form in the yuga of Sri Ram was is as Lakshman. So, in different yugas, he comes under different, different avatars. So, let us see. So, the super soul, the supreme personality of God, it's Sri Krishna. The cause of cosmic manifestation appeared in the dynasty of Yadu. Please tell me elaborately about his glorious activities and characters from the beginning of the to the end of his life. So here we are going to go in detail because uh, he has been asked who? Sukhdev. He has been asked to describe the whole thing. Glorification of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is performed in the Parampara system. Parampara means the one which comes after the like forefathers to forefathers and it keeps on going. Your grandfather, your, your father, yourself, your children, like that. The whole thing is, it's a Parampara. It's like a tradition. Like you say, na? In, uh, you will find that in every religion and every uh, uh, everywhere in the world they have something which is called traditions. So tradition, we follow the tradition. That is, it is conveyed from spiritual master to discipline, disciple. So from the master to the disciple, a parampara has been conveyed. So what happens is, there is a complete flow of knowledge and Whatever that the master does, the disciples will also do. Let us say if the master is performing a particular puja or a particular ritual, the same ritual will be followed by the disciples and the future also. Such glorification is relished by those no longer interested in the false temporary glorification of the cosmic manifestation. Description of the Lord are the right medicine for the conditioned soul undergoing repeated birth and death. Therefore, who will cease hearing such glorification of the Lord except a butcher or the one who is killing his own self? Who is not going to listen to these kind of words? So the question arises, who is interested? Those who are on the path of spiritual are very much interested. Those who are on the path of their mundane world are interested in various other things. You will find that there are people who will be uh, you know, they're thinking about cooking their meals, they're thinking about taking care of their children, they're thinking about going out somewhere, coming back, they're thinking in terms of, oh, now I have to go and buy grocery, now I have to do this, now I have to do that. They're not interested in the Lord's words anywhere. Think about it. I, one of the very funniest things that I observe in most of the meetings is, you need to be focused in something, you know. You are focused in a meeting, you are focused in spiritual work, And here on the side, you are knitting or you are eating or you are looking out for your messages. Oh, what is this? Somebody has sent a message. Or you are are going on Facebook and seeing the updates. Look at it. So you are not there anywhere. You think you are doing something. Ekagrata, single-pointed devotion means leave everything that is there that you are doing. Whether you are eating, sleeping, drinking or doing whatever, you have to be there have you ever seen those beautiful bhajans that go on in uh, you know in the movies you must have seen I, I I don't know in real life whether you all have actually seen a person is sitting hundreds of people are sitting in front they cannot even move like this like this 
they are sitting and they are praying and they are watching that is the ekagrata and in today's day and age people are eating food and then they are then they are listening to as if you know it's like a music that they are listening to they are doing their other activities around them so this is something which is not a done thing if you are listening to the lord's word you have to listen to it in one pointedness otherwise what is it otherwise this glorification of the lord who who are these people they are basically like butchers or somebody who is killing his own self you know who is not at all interested such type of people are not worthy enough to be sitting for satsangs or sitting for even listening to these good good words of the lord so so this is the glorification of the lord what does glorification of the lord mean glorification of the lord simply means that we are going going to say some very beautiful words about the lord you know we are going to describe the lord and his pastimes think about it you know how a mother gets so engrossed in the pastimes of her child oh my god my baby is doing this my baby is doing that have you noticed a woman uh, you know getting so much engrossed in oh this baby is so cute oh they are so engrossed in it they are looking after the baby as if you know it is the last thing on planet earth for them now you see the um, uh, the engrossment that is required in this here we are glorifying the lord so that is the reason why this mention is this system has been mentioned over here such glorification is relished by those no longer interested in false temporary glorification of this cosmic manifestation those who are you know those are oh such beautiful birds such beautiful things such no here focus focus on this thing imagine the the person who is asking this question who is asking this question parikshit he is about to die remember he was about to die he is sitting in this puja and sukhdev goswami is sitting right in front of him and talking to him imagine at that moment in time if parikshit is thinking oh my god i'm going to die oh my god i'm going to die what is going to happen this is not a, <laughs> this is not something which uh, which you know you would expect person who is a devotee of the lord to do at that point in time so such glorification is relished by those no longer interested in the false temporary glorification of this cosmic manifestation description of the lord are the right medicine for the conditioned soul undergoing repeated birth and death those who have been born before and die born before and have died this is the only medicine that is going to work on them so that is the reason why it is extremely important to focus and pay attention to all these things so taking the boat of krishna's lotus feet my grandfather arjuna and others crossed the ocean of the battlefield of kurukshetra parikshit is still continuing with the in which such commanders as bhishma dev resembled great fish that could very easily have swallowed them by the mercy of lord krishna my grandfather crossed this ocean which was very difficult to cross as easily as one steps over the hoof prints of a calf because my mother surrendered unto lord krishna's lotus feet the lord sudarshan chakra in hand entered the womb and saved the body saved my body uh, this is parikshit again saying i will explain 
the body of the last remaining descendant of the Kurus and the Pandavas, which was almost destroyed by the fairy weapon of Ashwatthama. Lord Sri Krishna appeared within and outside of all materially embodied living beings by his own potency in the form of eternal time, that is, as Param Paramatma and as Virat Roop, give liberation to everyone, either as a cruel death or as life. Kindly enlighten me by describing his transcendental characteristics. Oh, this is a very interesting phase where Parikshit is telling that yes, it is the same Krishna that we are talking about who not only gave liberation to my grandfather. Who is his grandfather? Arjun is his grandfather. Okay, His father no longer is there. Correct? Parikshit's father is not there because he died. His mother prayed to Krishna when Ashwatthama, Ashwatthama if you remember, is the eternal soul actually. He is as an eternal being. This person was the son of Dronacharya, right? And he had an astra and a shastra which his father had provided. And he uses it to kill all the five sons of the Pandavas. That is one. This time he uses a very powerful weapon because he doesn't want the dynasty, the rule to carry on further. So he wants to kill the child in the womb of Uttara. Right? So what does he do? He sends this weapon down and Krishna when he knows about this, he enters the womb and he fights off this weapon. You may wonder what it is all about. You know, there are lots of times, I, I can just give you a, a very simple explanation. Think about it from this point of view. Let us say, even a simple sensitization of blood, I, I don't know, those, those, who are, uh, those who are parents will understand. The sensitization of blood, everybody has a particular blood and if the two bloods from two different groups are coming and meeting, at one place, there is a sensitization the person cannot live. Suppose you have A positive and somebody has B negative and if that happens, that could destroy. And imagine that happening inside the womb, what would happen? It would kill the baby, isn't it? The same way, think about it from this point of view that even a small disturbance in the womb can kill the baby. It could be in the form of a, a sort of a, you know, a bacterium or some, I don't know, some sort of a disturbance could definitely do it. And Krishna has to go inside and he has to kill, destroy that particular thing. Now, he says that Ashwatthama, Lord Sri Krishna appeared within and outside of all materially embodied living beings as his own potency in the form of eternal time. This is a very interesting line which you have to understand. Now when he saved, when Krishna was saving the baby, that is Parikshit, inside the womb of his mother, simultaneously he created a shield round the entire Pandavas. He created a shield. Now what is this shield? This shield is something which is very interesting. It is called the shield of time. 
Time is a very interesting phenomena which can never be understood. I mean, you look at your watch and you think time is moving, right? Now, time is in correlation to the sun, right? Sun and the movement of the earth. But what if the sun is not there? Or what if the earth stands still? It doesn't move at all. If there is no movement on the axis, then what happens? Time will stand still. <laughs> so, a very interesting phenomena can occur. Or let us say, if I take the earth from this place and I put it where Pluto is, then what happens? Or it just changes the track from one, one circle into, like we are today in an elliptical orbit. Now, let us say, in front, instead of going in an elliptical orbit, it now starts circumambulating maybe Saturn or Jupiter, then what happens? There is a very interesting phenomena which can happen. So time is a very relative factor, can never be understood. And Krishna has to freeze this factor called time. Now time is a factor which is still not understood today, even today. So I don't want to elaborate further on it, but this is called the potency of the Lord. The potency means the power of the Lord and the time is a very, very important power of the Lord. Think about it. I'll just give you one small story. Let us say you have undergone a particular surgery or you have seen something in your childhood. Suddenly when you are become older, the same thing is like a happening to you again. You know, you know, we give it a new name, you know, not name we give, we call it a deja vu. Deja vu happens to you again and again. So you really wonder, oh, did it happen then or is it happening now? And you keep on having this deja vu continuously in your life. So this is like, you know, there is a factor called moving into different zones of time. Because time is basically supposed to be circular, you know, right round. But it is not so. And this time is described as Paramatma or Virat Swarup. Paramatma, the Supreme Divine Lord or the Virat Swarup. It gives liberation to everyone either as a cruel death or as life. Now this time can do this kind of a thing. It can either give absolutely a cruel death to somebody or it can put you in a different frame in life. Suddenly from one frame you will get put, removed and put in another frame. Think about it like this. Today there is a big picture in front of you and and there is a picture of Paris and then there is a picture of New York. Now I remove the Eiffel Tower from Paris and I put it in New York City and and I remove the Statue of Liberty from there and I put it in Paris. How does it sound? Doesn't it sound very funny? But imagine this happening. Suddenly you are transported from one dimension to another and from another dimension to one. How does it work? So this is a potency of the Lord. The Lord has the potency of taking you anywhere in time that He wishes you to be. And that is His. So that is the reason why He says, Can you please describe His transcendental characteristics? My dear Sukadev Goswami, you have already explained the Sankarsana, who belongs to the second quadruple, appeared as the son of Rohini named Balram. So, Balram is Rohini's son. Remember, 
how Vasudeva had number of wives, yes, so on and so forth. If Balram was not transferred from one body to another, how is it possible that he was first in the womb of Devaki and then in the womb of Rohini? Kindly explain this to me. So there is an explanation required for this. Why did Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, leave the house of his father Vasudev and transferred himself to the house of Nanda in Vrindavana? Where did the Lord, the master of the Yadu dynasty, live with his relative in Vrindavan? So where did he live? Lord Krishna lived both in Vrindavan and in Mathura. What did he do there? Why did he kill Kamsa, his mother's brother? Such killing is not at all sanctioned in the Shastras. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead has no material body. Yet he appears as human being. For how many years did he live with the descendants of Rishni? How many wives did he marry? And for how many years did he live in Varka? O great sage, who knows everything about Krishna, please describe in detail all the activities of which I have inquired and also those which I have not, for I have full faith and I am very eager to hear of them. So, Parikshit is asking so many questions because he wants to know in detail the life of Sri Krishna. Because of my vow on the verge of death, I have given up even drinking water. Yet because I am drinking the nectar of topics about Krishna, which is flowing from the lotus mouth of your Lordship, my hunger and thirst which are extremely difficult to bear cannot hinder me. Now, Parikshit had given up even drinking water. He is sitting over there and listening to all the beautiful words. Imagine, you don't drink water or you don't eat anything. Can you sit for even 6 hours, 8 hours, 10 hours? You think you can? You can't. And here we have a person who is not even touching a drop of water. He is sitting over there listening to the word of the Lord. And you know how many books we have traversed so far. A person cannot even sit in one place in ekagrata, in single pointedness without moving. You know, in, in uh, one of the meditation sessions, that is in Vipassana, if you ever do a Vipassana training, you cannot even move like this or like this or like this. You cannot even stretch yourself and you have to sit like that for hours and hours at stretch uh, continuously without even moving your legs. You have folded your legs and kept, you know, on the ground. You can't move. Think. Now uh, here... This kind of concentration is required for listening to the word of the Lord. And that is the reason why it is extremely important for us to listen to it. Sutta Goswami said, O son of Bhrigu, Krishi, after Sukhdev Goswami, the most respectable devotee, the son of Vyasdev, heard the pious question of Maharaj Parikshit. He thanked the king with great respect. Then he began to discourse on topics concerning Krishna, which are the remedy of all sufferings in the age of Kali. So if you listen to the words of Krishna's inner stories, all your troubles will go away. Sri Sukhdev Goswami said, O your majesty, best of all saintly kings, because you are greatly attracted to topics of Vasudev. It is certain that your intelligence is firmly fixed in spiritual understanding, which is the only true goal for humanity, because that attraction is unceasing, it is certainly sublime. 
So those who are only interested in the spiritual wheel of theirs, in the growth, they will listen to the words of the Divine Lord only. They are not interested in listening to other stories. The Ganga, emanating from the toe of Lord Vishnu, purifies the three worlds. The upper, the middle and the planetary systems. Similarly, when one asks questions about the pastime and characteristics of Lord Vasudeva Krishna, three varieties of men are purified. The speaker or preacher, who is, he who inquires and the people in general who listen. So there are three kinds of people who are purified. One, who is giving the satsang, who is talking about the Divine Lord. Second is the one who has asked the question. Somebody has asked the question and the speaker is talking about it. And then the third one is called the listener. So three kind of people. That is why it is called a satsang. A satsang is a place where you hear the divine word of the Lord. Right? Once when Mother Earth was overburdened by hundreds of thousands of military flanks of various conceited demons dressed like kings, she approached Lord Brahma for relief. Now the story begins. So once upon a time it so happened that this whole world was inundated with all the demons in the form of men, in the form of human beings. They had taken the form and they were standing, they were get, you know, trying to disturb the whole universe. At that point in time, Mother Earth goes to Lord Brahma and she says, can you please relieve me from this you know, misery? Mother Earth assumed the form of a cow. Very much distressed with tears in her eyes, she appeared before Lord Brahma and told her, him about the misfortune. Now you will ask, why cow? It's a form. The Mother Earth has taken the form of a cow. You will find that the form of a bull is the one also there described in another book which we had done earlier. Thereafter, having heard of the distress of the Mother Earth, Lord Brahma with Mother Earth, Lord Shiva and all other demigods approached the shore of the ocean of milk. After reaching the shore of the ocean of milk, the demigods worshipped the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu. The master of the whole universe, the supreme lord, god of all the gods, who provides for everyone and diminishes everyone's suffering with great attention, they worship Lord Vishnu who lies in the ocean of milk by reciting the Vedic mantras known as the Purush Sutta. It is there in the Vedas. While in trance, Lord Brahma heard the words of Lord Vishnu vibrating in the sky. Thus he told the demigods, O demigods, hear from me the order of Krishnakdashai Vishnu. Shurukdashai Vishnu. The Supreme Person and execute, execute it attentively without delay. So, Brahmaji is always in meditation, if you remember. His eyes are always closed and he is thinking about the Divine Lord. He suddenly hears some words. So, he is now repeating the words to the people in front of him. That is all the demigods who are there in front of him. Lord Brahma informed the demigods. That means Vishnu is conveyed some meaning to him. Some, something he has conveyed. So what has he conveyed? Before we submit our petition to the Lord, he is already aware of the distresses of the earth. Consequently, for so long as the Lord moves on earth to diminish his burden by his own potency in the form of time, all of you demigods should appear through plenary portions as sons and grandsons of the family of the Yadud. So, what is he saying? He is saying that Krishna 
is said something to me but before i say anything to you i he has asked all of you all the demigods around over here to kindly take birth in the dynasty of yadu all right the supreme personality of god at shri krishna who has full potency will personally appear as the son of vasudev therefore all the wives of the demigod should also appear in order to satisfy him <coughs> so everybody is supposed to be on the planet earth during the time when krishna has to come over there the foremost manifestation of krishna is shankarsana that is balrama who is known as ananta ananta shesh he is the origin of the incarnations within this material world previous to the appearance of lord krishna this original shankarsana will appear as baldeva just to please the supreme lord krishna in his transcendental pastimes now the lord is going to appear on the planet earth so before he appears the entire scenery has to be created isn't it that means the entire background has to be created first so just imagine there is a play and then you are going to introduce a main character but if there is nothing on the stage and there is no stage also there is going to be a problem so to set, give a stage setting everything has to first appear think about it also from the point of view of uh, buddha before buddha came the whole scene was already erected over there right even before jesus came the whole scene was already erected over there people were already existing if you remember john the baptist and so many other people had appeared before the coming of the christ it's the same thing here shankarsana and others are being asked to appear on the earth before the lord so previous to the appearance of lord krishna this original shankarsana will appear as baldeva just to please the supreme lord krishna in his transcendental pastimes in the in the play that is going to unfold the play that is going to unfold on this planet earth the other characters are very very important they are needed the potency of the lord known as vishnu maya who is as good as the supreme personality of godhead who will appear with lord krishna this potency acting in different capacities captivates all the world both material and spiritual at the request of her master she will appear with her different potencies in order to execute the work of the lord so now even maya maya is the potency of the lord the potency of the lord which is a deceptive potency you cannot understand maya maya is right in front of your nose and yet you will not be able to see she takes various forms and she appears in a very deceptive mode so before the coming of krishna the maya is already creating the ground for him so everything is getting laid out over there so he is brahma ji is telling all everybody around so maya is also going to appear so she is called vishnu's maya or the maya of the divine lord so she will appear with lord krishna the potency acting in different capacities she is going to act in different different capacities right at the birth also she will be there later on in life she will be there after that also she is going to be there so what does maya become so maya is first taking the form of his sister then she is taking the form of his mother then she is taking the form of that river then she is taking the form of all these things that happen in vrindavan and then maya is taking the form of all the gopis over there later on maya is taking so many forms in the kurukshetra and with all the different different people over there then she takes the form of the different kinds of potencies that appear 
as we unfold the story then as different wives of his so maya is actually creating this entire scenery if you remember one of the very beautiful scenes where sri krishna is telling hmm, vishwakarma create a world in less than 24 hours in another place and an entire island full of so many palaces is created like this in a moment in a jiffy all right this is dwarka so when he has to transport everybody from mathura to dwarka in less than 24 hours all these things are created in a different domain and everybody is transported from one place to the other so that is also maya is a creation of this kind of a world is maya's own creation and she uses different different people along the way so at the request of her master she will appear with a different potencies in order to execute the work of the lord sukhdev goswami continued after thus advising the demigods and pacifying mother earth the very powerful lord brahma who is the master of all the prajapatis is therefore known as prajapati pati returned to his own abode brahmaloka formerly surasena the chief of the yadu dynasty had gone to live in the city of mathura there he enjoyed the places known as mathura and surasena since that time the city of mathura has been the capital of the kings of the yadu dynasty the city and the district of mathura are very intimately connected with krishna for lord krishna lives there eternally so krishna lives in which place eternally he lives in mathura vrindavan that entire place which is describing that entire place over there which is mathura vrindavan gokul all those places around govardhan hill and all that that is called the golok goloka all right so he lives over there eternally that is why you will find that many of the people go and settle down over there or when they want to die or something like that they will go and be over there some time ago vasudev who belonged to the demigod family or to the sura dynasty married devaki after the marriage he mounted his chariot to return home with his newly married wife kamsa the son of king ugrasena in order to please his sister devaki on the occasion of her marriage took charge of the reins of the horses and became the chariot driver he was surrounded by hundreds of golden chariots now kamsa is going to now take devaki with him to his brother in law's place devaki's father king devaka was very much affectionate to his daughter therefore while she and her husband were leaving home he gave her a dowry of 400 elephants nicely decorated with golden garlands he also gave 10000 horses 1800 chariots and 200 and very beautiful young maid servants fully decorated with ornaments oh beloved son maharaj parikshit when the bride and the bridegroom were ready to start conchels bugles drums and kettle drums all vibrated in concert for their auspicious departure so devaki is leaving her father and going towards mathura when kamsa controlling the chariot of the horses was drawing the chariot along the way an unembodied voice addressed him you foolish rascal the eighth child of the woman you are carrying will kill you at that time there is a akashvani some unembodied type of a being is addressing kamsa and saying see 
who do you think you are what are you doing see the background is not given the background is that kamsa is one of the ancient demons okay he has taken the birth that is the reason why this is being mentioned over here so you will you will be killed kamsa was condemned personally in the bhoja dynasty because he was envious and sinful therefore upon hearing the omen from the sky he caught hold of the sister's hair with his left hand and took up this word with the right hand to sever the head from her body wanting to pacify kamsa who was so cruel and envious that he was shamelessly ready to kill his sister the great soul vasudev who was the father of kam krishna spoke to him in the following words so at that point in time imagine the brother is going to kill his sister and at that time the the husband what does he do vasudev said my dear brother in law kamsa you are the pride of your family the bhoja dynasty and great ho- heroes praise your qualities how could such a qualified person as you kill a woman or your own sister especially on the occasion of her marriage oh great hero one who takes birth is sure to die for death is born with this body one may die today or after hundreds of years but death is sure for every living entity so vasudev is describing this thing when the present body turns to dust and is again reduced into five elements that is earth water fire air and ether the property of the body the living being automatically receives another body of material elements according to fruitive activities when the next body is obtained he gives up the present body so the next body is in waiting the moment you finish this particular body then you have another body waiting for you again it's made up of the same elements once again the five elements that we described just as a person traveling on the road rests one foot on the ground and then lifts another or as a worm or a vegetable transfers itself to one leaf and then gives up the previous one the conditioned soul takes shelter of another body and then gives up the one he had before having experienced a situation by seeing or hearing about it one contemplates and speculates about the situation thus one can surrender to it not considering his present body similarly by mental adjustment one dreams at night of living under different circumstances in different bodies and forgets his actual position under this same process one gives up the present body and accept another that is tata dhanantara pratipa very simply he is describing two characteristics that happen in the material world the material being he dies when he dies what happens all the elements of the body are going back to the earth you know everything goes back to its place so the water goes back to water the earth goes back to earth the air goes back to air so on and so forth but what happens to the being the being inside depending on his whatever that he has done in the past that is all the karmas that have happened based on that karma a new body comes for him that is absolutely a new one which is dependent on how he has to reduce the karma that is what happens that's one thing which he explains second thing which he explains is just like in the dream when he is talking about certain situations in a dream what happens is you go to sleep when you go to sleep you assume that you have taken up a new body or something is happening to you in the dream whatever is happening to you in the dream is not real actually it doesn't exist yet it appears so real to us so he says 
we forget the actual position. We do not remember the actual position. Let us say for example, in your dream, you see somebody who is not there with you. An old friend of yours or your grandmother or somebody like that. And it appears so real as if you are meeting this person or talking to this person. But what is real in that? There is nothing real in that. So, this is the same process. It is like giving one body and accepting another. But it is a dream sequence. There is nothing new in that. Alright? It is just all wrong. It is not there. Likewise, at the time of death, something like this happens. Alright? As if from one dream you are going into another dream. Like that. At the time of death, according to the thinking, feeling and willing of the mind, which is involved in fruitive activities, one receives a particular body. So always remember, suppose you are dreaming of something when you are just about to die. Let, let us say when you are dying and you are thinking about some strange creature or some person or some you, some being. Now just imagine, you have a friend, okay? And you are thinking about the friend and you are dying. You will have to appear in that friend's life in the future, in some other way. How? Depends on what kind of thinking you had. Suppose you have a particular kind of a thinking where, oh, he's talking about your friend, you know, he has robbed something from you. Okay? Let us, he has taken some, some, some object which you desire, maybe a gold chain or maybe a ring. And you are thinking about that at that point in time. You will have to appear in the form which is associated with that person, maybe the ring form. You don't know. Something associated with the ring, you don't know. So it is in association with that that you will have to take up a form. So whatever you are thinking, feeling and willing in the mind, which is involved in fruitive activity, one receives a particular body. In other words, the body develops according to the activities of the mind. This is a very important line. You are having some activity in the mind. Now think about it. You know, there are many people in this world who keep on thinking of themselves as miserable people. I am a miserable person. I can't do this. I can't do that. This is not possible. That is not possible. This is, I am the most... You know, every, every time they keep on giving themselves negatives. What happens to them? Are you not brainwashing yourself to becoming that? Exactly like that happens at the time of death and the birth of the new body. You are, whatever is going on in the mind appears in the next life of yours. Changes of body are due to the flickering of the mind. For otherwise a soul could remain in the original spiritual body. Every time when a man thinks, he moves away from the spiritual body into the mind body. We have, you know, five bodies, you remember? We have five bodies. Now you have to be in the innermost body, which is the spiritual body, which we call as the Anandmai Kosh. And from that into the innermost, still more inner than that. But what do we do? We are always either in the food body or in the mind body. These two bodies is all that we are basically looking at. A food body person is interested in eating, drinking, uh, wearing nice clothes, thinking about adornment and so on and so forth. This is the person who is involved in the outermost body. The second body, mind body, 
the mind body is always thinking about something it will say oh i didn't get this i didn't get that this is not possible that is not possible so many things you understand all these things that are happening this mind body will keep you tracked in your life it will say arguments will happen in your mind oh i should be doing this and here this person is arguing and this is happening and that is happening and i am not getting this and i am not getting that a person is always dreaming about different kinds of things in the mind body so he is always lost in the mind body think about it there are two brothers or sisters and one person is getting something the other person has not got anything so what happens you keep on the, the other person who has not got keeps on thinking constantly you know why did that person get why didn't i get why didn't that person get isn't that what happens or if there's an argument happening in the house what happens you keep on thinking about it the whole day and it's nothing but a very stupid issue yet the mind keeps you tracked inside continuously so in other words the body develops according to the activities of the mind changes of body are due to the flickering of the mind for otherwise the soul could remain in the original spiritual body you could be intel in the intellectual body intellectual beings are always lost in thought they're not thinking about stupid things they are dreaming up of beautiful worlds they are thinking in terms of how to solve problems look at leonardo da vinci think about him did that person give time oh my wife is saying that i should go to the market and buy some potatoes is he thinking like that or do you think he is thinking aaj khane mein kya milega do you think my uh, leonardo da vinci had so much uh, energy that he was spending on what he has to eat and what he doesn't have to eat think about it do you think albert einstein or all these great people that are there that we keep on talking about do you think they have the time to think about frivolities in life frivolities you know like look at mark zuckerberg does it say oh my my cupboard is full of you know 20000 different clothes which one should i wear have you ever thought of him looking like that no he wears one gray t-shirt and one jeans and goes out he has got only few gray t-shirts and maybe a few jeans that is all he doesn't have to spend his time on this kind of nonsense but material worldly people are so much interested which one should i wear what should i wear they will wear and they will remove and they will wear and they will remove just clothes then food what should i cook what should i eat what should i cook what should i eat i mean what is this right from morning till night you are thinking khana kya banane ka khana kya khane ka these kind of thoughts are keeping you in the mental plane they are never taking you in the intellectual plane intellectual people are thinking of solving great problems in the world they are thinking about okay how do i get into this new state of internet how do i do this kind of iot business do you think oh can i can i connect to the people who are there on other planets you know those kind of things which are very very esoteric in nature can i solve this problem you understand this they are always involved in that they are reading something all the time they are reading about beautiful things they are not reading about gossip from the films or some such type of a thing they are reading about beautiful stuff so the intellectual type of people are lost in that below that there is, then there is a spiritual world those who are lost in the spiritual domain are always thinking of god somewhere or the other and they are constantly in that state of existence 
they are dreaming about God at all points in time. Whether they are sitting on top of the mountain or near the river or at home or if they are going and eating something or drinking something, they are only thinking about the Divine Lord. They are not looking at something which is, you know, vaguely familiar in this material world. So, hmm, it's quite a big chapter, so what we will do is maybe we are at 42. We will stop at 50, let us see. Hmm? When the luminaries in the sky such as the moon, the sun and the stars are reflected in the liquids like oil and water, they appear to be of different shapes, sometimes round, sometimes long and so on, because of the movements of the wind. Similarly, when the living entity, the soul is absorbed in materialistic thought, he accepts various manifestations as his own identity because of ignorance. In other words, one is bewildered by mental concoctions because of agitation from the material modes of nature. A very important statement. What is happening over here? How do we appear in our mental domain? Makes us appear in that physical world also. How does it... See, it's a very important line. See about... When the living entity, the soul, is absorbed in materialistic thoughts, he accepts various manifestations as his own identity because of ignorance. Now this is the line which is a very tricky line, let us see. Now let us say you are thinking, oh, when, when, you, are, when you are dressed up in say t-shirt and jeans or something like that and when you are dressed up as, in your, let us say as a woman, you are in a night gown or a night dress, you know how you are thinking of yourself, okay? Now let us say you take a bath and you wear some nice clothes. Now you are wearing a nice iron shirt and a pant and a black shoes and a woman is wearing maybe a salwar kameez. When you look at yourself in the mirror, are you identifying yourself for going somewhere? Yes. Maybe you are going to work. Something like that. Now, I will give you another scenario. Now you are wearing a very nice shirt and a matching, a very beautiful pant and a coat or a jacket and you are wearing very nice shoes and you are carrying a beautiful bag an office bag, a bag which contains some papers, you know and a woman, she is dressed up in finery she is wearing maybe a sari or some such type of a glorious ornament so many ornaments she has decked herself up very nicely now tell me, are they going to work? No. Maybe the woman is going for a wedding. Maybe she is going for some evening. Whereas the man is going for, maybe he is going for an interview. Or maybe he is going for a business meeting. Or maybe he is going for board of directors meeting. Something or the other is happening over there. The, can, can you see for yourself how the clothes and the way you dress up and the type of makeup that you wear or you don't wear or the shoes that you wear they define what you are going to do, isn't it? So think about it. When the living entity, the soul is absorbed in materialistic thoughts, he accepts various manifestations as his own identity because of ignorance. We accept that I am going to get a knighthood in front of the Queen of England. 
how are you supposed to dress? Correct? Similarly, I am going for an interview. Can I dress up like a person who is not ready for it? Disabled person. Can I do that? Material worldly people are constantly worried about this kind of thing. And they create their identity based on their own thought processes. They think that if I have to go for a board of directors meeting, I need to be having a coat, a suit, a tie, a this, a that and all that. Can you imagine that? Whereas, isn't that full of ignorance? That is. It is actually full of ignorance. You dress up for occasions and you think of yourself in that place. Like tomorrow if you are going to a United Nations or maybe you are going to meet Mr. Obama or Narendra Modi, how will you dress? There is a protocol that you follow, isn't it? A protocol has to be followed. Here, Krishna is telling you something very unique. He is saying, we identify ourselves in that role. And that is our ignorance. One is bewildered by mental concoctions because of agitating from the material modes of nature. The material modes of nature will tell you what you are supposed to do. Oh, you are not dressed for the occasion. You better dress nicely. What should you do? Oh, wear a tie. Maybe you should wear a sari. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. You are meeting material worldly people. So naturally you are going to be dressed up equally like that. Now think about it. If you are dressed wrongly then what happens? There will be chaos, there will be destruction, there will be a a big problem over there. You are wearing bikini for a board or director's meeting. What will happen? Think. There is no meeting going to happen over there, sir. Can you imagine that? This is the problem which the material worldly people are so much full of ignorance that they are willing to do this kind of a nonsense right over there itself. And this is what happens in the material world. We will do this last line and we will stop over here. Or should we... uh, Two lines, okay. I said till 15, no? Therefore, since envious, impious activities caused by a body in which one suffers in the next life, one should act... Why should one act impiously? Considering one's welfare, one should not envy anyone. For an envious person must always fear harm from the enemies, either in the form of this life or in the next. Now do you understand what you are thinking of will appear. It's like, I just now, did I not say that if you want to go for a board of directors meeting, you will be wearing coat, suit, pant and all those kind of things with a tie and all that. And you will be carrying nice shoes and nice shoes you will be wearing, good bag and stuff like that. This is what appears. You are thought like that. So you are going to appear like that. Likewise, once you die, you can become like that. You know, the life that you are thinking of, that kind. So that is the reason why there is a there is a way out of this whole thing. He says, if you are going to sanction yourself that kind of a life, why not think of pious life in this life? 
you know piety thinking about the lord being a good self praying so on and so forth so become pious in this life so you will not have problems in the next one so don't be envious of your enemy because if you are envious of your enemy remember you are going to appear with that same person again think about it you are always constantly quarreling with somebody for no rhyme or reason quarrel 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 and the person dies you know you don't want to be seen with that person in the next life also and because of your constant bickering and quarreling you are going to appear in a you will appear in a reverse role of yourself in that with that same person so why you want to sanction yourself that life think about it you don't want to sanction yourself with that life do you you are constantly trying to go away from that person but you are quarreling always with that person when you are in this kind of a state you are going to be appearing again in the same person's life all over again and the fight will continue in the next life and the next and the next and the next and the next why do you want to be with that person suppose you hate some person from the bottom of your heart and that hatred you carry with you constantly are you not going to be with that person again and again that is the reason why he says don't get into that as your younger sister this pure girl deviki is your like your own daughter and deserves to be affectionately maintained you are merciful and therefore you should not kill her indeed she deserves your affection subdev so goswami continued obesh of the kuru dynasty kamsa was fiercely cruel and was actually a follower of the rakshasas therefore he could be neither pacified nor terrified of the great instructions given by vasudev he did not care about the results of sinful activities either in this life or the next when vasudev saw that kamsa was determined to kill the sister devaki he thought to himself very deeply considering the imminent danger of his death he thought of another plan to stop kamsa as long as he has intelligence and bodily strength an intelligent person must try to avoid death this is the duty of every embodied person but if death cannot be avoided in spite of one's endeavor a person facing death commits no offense vasudev considered by delivering all my sons to kamsa who is death personified i shall save the life of devaki perhaps kamsa will die before my son takes birth or since he is already destined to die in the hands of my son one of my sons will kill him for the time being let me promise to hand over my son so that kamsa will give up the immediate threat and in a due course of time kamsa dies i shall have nothing to fear so we are going back to the story once again vasudev is telling kamsa don't kill my wife he just got married he gave all the spiritual explanation but try giving a spiritual explanation to a material worldly person they are going to look at you in the face and say ah oh, what are you talking about i don't know what you are talking about because they don't cannot even understand you talk about faith surrender this that to that person and that person say okay i don't understand i go to church i go to temple i go and pray i do this i do that i put so many nariyals in front of god but you are talking about spiritual you are not talking about religion No, no. I go to church and I go to temple. There is no point in talking to this kind of people because they are they are lost in their own world. They are thinking about eating, drinking, and those kind of stuff. And when they are in trouble, they will go and stand in front of God and say, "God, God, please help me." That's all they do. So don't bother about these kind of people because you telling them they are of the demonic propensities. They don't understand a word of what you speak. So don't even bother about it. All right. So Kamsa. has to be convinced in another way 
So then Vasudev thinks about it and okay, maybe I will hand over all my children to him. Any which way my one son is going to kill this guy only. So let me do that. And that is where we will stop. Alright? So we have come to 50 of this particular chapter. The verse 50. So we will stop over here. So next time we will do the 51 verse. Okay? So we can stop here.